Welcome to Homecoming 2020, Woodland yeah. Church. Welcome Woo. home. We are so excited because have you realized it's been almost three months since we've been able to gather at our physical locations? And praise God that we're back. But I'll tell you this, we've been meeting, even though we couldn't meet at our physical locations, we've been meeting and there are more people attending Woodland Church than ever before through our online platforms. And so if you're worshiping with us online, we are so glad that you have joined us today, that you're connected with us, that you're part of the Woodland Church family wherever you are in the world. And we wanna welcome all of you who are with us here at the Woodlands campus. Yeah, and I want to welcome all of you who are with us at our Atascacita campus. Pastor Daniel and our team, you guys are amazing out there, so give them a, a cheer, guys. And yeah, and everyone at the North Point campus, um, we can't return yet to the physical location because the movie theater hasn't opened up yet, but we'll be back soon, that's for sure. But we're just so glad if you're connecting online or if you're here we are gathering as a church family, and that's what it's all about. Now, Chris and I know it's going to look a little different for a while, but that's okay. Yeah, ever since the lockdown started, um, we have been asking every day, the pastor is gathering on a Zoom call every day. I know all of y'all are very familiar with Zoom by now. And we have been Zooming every day at one o'clock to ask the question, okay, what does love look like today? And we want to tell you right now that for today, Thank you, those of you who are actually in the room for wearing a mask. Uh, thank you for doing that because uh, we, we've asked you to do that not out of fear, but out of love, uh, simply out of love. Because as we ask what love looks like today, this happens to be it. Um, I don't know what love will look like tomorrow, but for today, this is it. And the reason for that is that we know that the very people who maybe have really been impacted by this virus over the last few months and um, maybe have fallen into one of those categories like having a lower immune system uh, or maybe um, being in a category that's at high risk, maybe being a healthcare worker that then needs to go be around other people. Those people, it's really important for them uh, to actually be as safe as they can. And so um, I just wanna thank you. Thank you for doing this out of love and um, making a safe place for those people to come and worship and feel like they can come and worship in person and yet still be safe. So we're not making a statement in any way. We're just saying, hey, as believers, we are called to um, lay down our lives, to sacrifice. And Carrie and I, uh, although we are not wearing masks at the moment, if we were any closer to you, we would be. And we do when we're out in public around people um, and really in close contact. Um, and the reason for that is that we just want to um, go above and beyond to show what love looks like. And we gladly give up our right to not wear a mask so that other people can come and worship. So thanks, guys. You guys are awesome, as amazing as always, and we just appreciate you. And in a moment, you're going to be the masked singer, and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to be able to identify you right away because I know you're smiling under that mask, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to celebrate like crazy today, and it's going to be amazing. But I think first, we need to pray for racial healing in our nation. And as you've watched all that's been happening over the last few days and weeks, it's just so important to pray for God's healing in our nation, and the Lord's the only one that can do that. Um, God is a God who heals, but he's also a God of justice. 
And I think it's also so important for us to stand up against racism in all of its forms, in all of our culture, all of our society. So important for us to stand against racism and to stand up for justice because God is not only a God of healing, he's a God of justice. And to stand for justice for men like George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery who were murdered evidently only because of the color of their skin. And we have to stand for justice and stand against injustice wherever it occurs because it's not the color of our skin, it's the content of our character that matters and it's so important to stand together. And then I think that it's so important in this time to pray for our police officers because a few bad ones make it even more difficult for all of these great heroes to do their job. And I think it's so important to pray for the real heroes, the men and women who wear the badge because they're out there each and every day protecting us and they're out there protecting the right to peaceful protest right now and and they're in danger because of the violence and the destruction that's happening. But we just need to pray for peace, pray against violence and pray for peace and stand up for justice and root out racism, this insidious sin that is just it just really can devour lives and desecrate nations. And I just praise God for you guys. We're gonna pray. We're gonna stand up and pray. Would you stand up right now and let's just pray together that God would heal our nation because he's the only one that can. Jesus is the one that brings healing. So Lord God, we come before you today and we just thank you for this day. What a, an amazing day. Lord, in the middle of this crisis, in the middle of all of the, unrest, Lord, you are still on the throne. And I just pray that you would take all of the bad and bring good out of it, that you would bring justice and you would bring peace, that you would bring healing as only you can. We pray for peace and healing for the families of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and others who have, who have been so hurt during this time. And we just pray, Lord, for healing in our nation. We pray for our police officers that you would just watch over them, protect them and that you would bring peace in our land as only you can. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Stay standing, guys, because we're gonna sing right now. And some of you, the great thing is, um, something happens when you lay your hand on your mask and you pray for God's anointing and you sing, your terrible voice turns into an angelic choir. No, that's not true, I just lied in church. Forgive me, Lord. No, but uh, at least someone beside you may not have to hear you. But, um, but sing as loud as you can because that's what I do. We're back, and those of you at home, I want you to stand right now. I want you to sing because you're gonna be back soon. Maybe you don't feel comfortable gathering right now, but it's not gonna be long, so you gotta practice, okay? And we've got our Woodlands Worship live, and we're gonna sing to the Lord right now. So let's do that. Woodlands Church of Tascacita, Woodlands Campus, let's sing. Wherever you are in the world, let's sing to the Lord. Hey guys, uh, we are so glad that you're here at the Woodlands campus, the Tascacita campus, everyone worshiping online. We are thrilled that you have connected with us. You might wanna just text a friend. If they need a message that's all about living better than normal, that's what Chris and I are gonna be talking about today. We're starting a new series, Better Than Normal, because that's where God wants to bring us. Maybe you feel like everything's so much worse than normal, so the way most of us feel but I want you to know God's plan is to take us to better than normal. And that's what he wants in your life, better character, better relationships. And God's gonna do that 
in you and through you. And so that's what we're gonna talk about. We'll kick off this brand new series, Better Than Normal. And we've got some amazing guests, the Watoto Children's Choir from the beautiful country of Uganda. Now, the Watoto Children's Choir is this world-renowned choir, and two years ago, we booked them to come to this year's Easter. In fact, they were touring the U.S., and the last stop was our Easter services. They're going to be in every one of our Easter services, and we were going to be doing this together with Woodlands Worship and Watoto Choir, and it's going to be amazing. We had this thing all planned out. Then COVID-19 hit, and they had to be quarantined uh, right outside of Dallas at a camp, and they're still stuck there. So we've been ministering to them. They've been ministering to us as they're waiting to get approval from the Ugandan government to come back home. And so these guys are amazing. We love Watoto Church in Uganda and their ministries, the Watoto Orphanage. And every one of these kids in the choir is an orphan. And God is changing their lives, and they're amazing. And so um, every, they came down uh, this Friday and did this on our stage and um, we made sure that they're well taken care of, and, and we just think it's so good to support these guys during this time, and they're making such a difference, and we've already booked them for Christmas. So they're coming back for Christmas, you know, so, yeah. So I want you at the Woodlands and Itascacita campuses, would you stand right now? Because you got to get into this. You got to clap with these guys because they're so energetic, and everyone at home, you need to stand too, and you need to clap. And you need to get with it because this is the Watoto Children's Choir. The big question that everyone has been asking is, when is everything going to get back to normal? When are we going to return to normal? So we want to take you back to a time in the Old Testament when the people of God were asking the very same question. For they had been in captivity in Babylon for many years, and then Persia conquers Babylon. So there's a new empire that's over them. But the people of God were asking, when are we ever going to return to Jerusalem? When are we ever going to return to normal life? And some of the young people had never experienced normal. They'd spent their whole life in captivity in a foreign country. And they didn't even know what normal looked like. And so these Israelites are in captivity in Babylon. And then Ezra's account opens up with this, that in order to fulfill his word, God moved the heart of the king in Babylon, the king of Persia. His name was Cyrus. And he sent the Israelites back to Jerusalem. He even gave them resources and said, hey, go build your temple. And they were sent back by the king for the express purpose of rebuilding the temple. And so it was great. They're like, yes, finally, the dreams have come true. We've been in captivity for 70 years. And now they're in Jerusalem and they settle there. They settle in new homes and they build the altar. They build the foundation. And when the foundation is laid, they have a giant celebration. They celebrate everybody's praising the Lord. I mean, can you just see it? All of these Israelites who have been in captivity for 70 years and now they're in Jerusalem and they're celebrating that the foundation has been laid. And the biblical account says that all, everyone was praising and some were crying and some were just yelling with joy and the sound was so loud that you couldn't even distinguish the weeping from the celebratory yells. That's how loud it was. It was so loud. And so reading this, right away you think, wait, why are some people crying 
and some people are just filled with joy. And if you look a little closer in the scripture, it says that it was the elders, the leaders of households who were weeping. Well, why do you think they were weeping? They were the ones who actually had memories of the old temple. They were old enough to have seen the first temple. And now they see this new one coming up in its place. In other words, they lived through the destruction. They had lived through the really hard stuff. Everybody had sacrificed. Everybody had to travel a long way to get back and really work hard on the temple. But some had lost. And there's a lot of memory tied up in there. And so as there's just celebrating and people are going, woohoo, and some are crying, we see here that to really fully embrace this new thing God was doing, this new temple, that those who had lost had to stop and grieve. They had to grieve the old temple, the old way of life. They would have had memories maybe of going to the temple with their parents. They would have had all kinds of memories of life then, and they couldn't see this new thing without at the same time first grieving what was lost. And that's really a picture of where all of us are right now, isn't it? I mean, we've all lost. We've all, in different ways, had losses, experienced some kind of loss over the last few months. And I realized that no one was excluded from this kind of loss when a couple weeks ago, our granddaughter, Joanna, was at our house. And I was out on the front porch with her, and a couple people were walking way down the road, I mean, pretty far away, and she got all excited and started yelling and waving and said, hi, hi. And I looked over and said, you know, to, to Ryan and Sarah, um, hey, you know, what's going on? This, oh, yeah. Yeah, they haven't seen people in so long that um, they get really excited. They just sit on our front porch and wait for people, maybe a lone jogger to go by. And then they wave and get really excited. And, and so as these, this, these people walked, uh, started walking away, she said, it was good to meet you. Hope you don't get the sickness. <laughs> I just thought, wow, even a three-year-old is not, has... has you know, lost something, has, has lost that sense of getting to be around people, that sense of community, is longing for that. And so all of our losses look different, and um, we're not here to compare losses. Um, some of you have had a really, really hard time over these last few months, and we've all experienced things in different ways, but all pain is personal. So we're not trying to compare, but just acknowledge and say, hey, you know what? even as we celebrate in this moment. And let me say, Carrie and I are so celebrating with you. We are so excited. We have been giddy with excitement about getting back in this place with you. Can I just say how good it feels to have people in right here all together and we worship together instead of just empty seats? I mean, this is something joyful and to celebrate. And yet, at the same time, we don't want to skip over that grieving part because we have all lost in different ways. Some people have lost their health during this time. or may have even lost someone who is close to them due to the virus. And of course, that's uh, the reason that all these measures have been taking place is to try to prevent that. But some of you have experienced that kind of health loss. And some of you have experienced the loss of your job. Maybe you've experienced the sense that your job security isn't there the way you thought it was before because everything is turning in a new direction. Some of you have lost relationships during this time. 
because relationships have been put under intense stress over the last few months and problems that were always there but maybe simmering beneath the surface and we could distract ourselves from them with other things. Suddenly, when you were thrown together, thrown together in one house, couldn't escape each other, then the sparks just flew and you're hurting from that loss. You're grieving. Some of you have just experienced uh, the feeling of that loss of control, that you don't know how to change what's going on and, and you'd very much like to control it. Some of you are really grieving that loss of community. Maybe you live alone and you have been really lonely for a long time. Or maybe you're married and you've been really lonely because we know that the most lonely people in the world are generally not those who are physically alone, but a lot of times are those who have a spouse that they put their head on a pillow next to them at night, but they just feel alone. And you're feeling especially lonely. And then some of you feel like you have lost your sanity. I mean, let's be honest. If you have children and you have been homeschooling and you just feel like, what is, I never signed up for this. What, what is, I never saw this coming. I didn't know, I, I did not train to be a teacher. I have a feeling that teachers are gonna get some pretty awesome teacher gifts next year. <laughs> and let me say, they deserve it. Yeah. They deserve it. Yeah, you can clap for teachers, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, parents everywhere clapping for teachers, I love it. But we just wanted to stop right here at the beginning and say, hey, if you are grieving something right now that you have really missed out on during this time, you've missed out on celebrating special days together, uh, you haven't gotten to have those big events. Maybe it was a graduation. Maybe it was a wedding that you had spent a long time planning and now the plans just kind of melted away. That big wedding of your dreams just didn't take place. Maybe you've experienced a death unrelated to anything having to do with the virus. Uh, that's what happened with our family. And many of you know that Carrie's dad went to be with the Lord during this time. And, and it felt uh, really surreal to just be just our little immediate family in masks at the graveside. And we couldn't even all stand there together. Some had to wait in their cars so that we wouldn't exceed the limit of 10. I mean, it, was, it wasn't what we had ever thought. And we had a granddaughter born during this time. That wasn't what I expected, although we're immensely grateful that uh, little Charlotte was born and is doing great. I'll be honest, not getting to be at the hospital, not getting to see her right away, all the restrictions are in place, it felt like a loss. And we just want you to know that it's okay, that you can grieve. I'm so grateful that the Bible is so honest and so real, the stories are so true, and there's no whitewashing of anything. It just tells it like it is. Hey, some people were grieving. Yes, they were so thrilled that finally the temple was being rebuilt, and at the same time, they were grieving their losses. And so if that's where you find yourself today, we want you to know that you are loved and that it's okay to grieve. The Bible here shows us it's okay to grieve. And in fact, it's a necessary step. If you have lost something, it's necessary. Let's grieve our losses and be real about that so that we can make a place for God to do something new because God wants to do something way better than normal in our lives. And we cannot wait to experience that with you. When the first group of Israelites return to Jerusalem, they start rebuilding their lives. And as Chris said, they started rebuilding the temple. They, they laid the foundation of the temple. And at first, everything was going as planned. It looked like things were starting to get back to normal. But then, 
the normal complacency set in. They stopped putting God first. They started settling back into normal. Why? I think their biggest problem was they wanted to return to normal. That became their goal, to return to normal. So they started out trying to build normal all over again, to build normal lives, to build their normal homes, to build their normal temple. And they tried to get back to normal. But that was never God's intent. That wasn't what God wanted. That's what they wanted. God had something completely different in mind. In fact, God had taken them to worse than normal, exile in Babylon. I believe God had taken them to worse than normal so that they would never return to normal again. God had taken them to worse than normal so they would never go back to normal the way they were before. Because God was telling the people of Judah, I don't want you to return to normal. Uh, Your normal schedule was you were too busy to pray. Your normal schedule was uh, that you were too busy to really build deep and close relationships. Your normal priorities left me out. Uh, Your normal was being so stressed and overwhelmed and your schedule so overcrowded. Uh, Your normal was you weren't grateful for all the blessings I gave you. Your normal was you took for granted all the things that you were blessed with and you never appreciated. And your normal was complaining all the time. Never go back to normal. You see, God was telling the people, my plan is that you never go back to normal. In fact, I want you to build something with your life that's better than normal. I want you to live in a place that's better than normal. And today, when we ask the question, when are we going to return to normal? I wanna say, I hope we never go back to normal. I hope we never go back to living normal again. When we're too busy to pray, when we don't have time to take a walk in the neighborhood with our family, when we're overwhelmed and overloaded and we don't take time to be grateful for the things that God has given us, I hope we never return to normal. Well, in Haggai chapter two, God reveals his better than normal plan for the people. And this study of the Israelites returning to build something better than normal is a powerful story And it's mentioned in several obscure books in the Old Testament. In Haggai, Zechariah, Ezra, Nehemiah, even in 2 Chronicles. It's divinely inspired from different perspectives. And some tell different parts of the story. And so I want us to start out with Haggai chapter 2. Because as Chris said, the foundation of the temple had been completed. They had a celebration, but then they just settled back into normal. And they let the foundation just sit there along with all the rubble around it. And they settled back into normal and God wanted to shake them out of normal. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church, and just follow along with me? As God says to the people of Judah, and I believe God is saying this to you today. God is saying this to all of us today, Woodland Church. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It may seem like nothing at all. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. 
I will shake all the nations and the treasuries of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Dear God, Lord of heaven's armies, we thank you for your word today to us that you want to build something far more glorious in our lives, in our families, in our church than the past had. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you don't want us to go back to normal in our lives, in our character, in our relationship with you. You want to take us to a different level. And I pray that you would do that, Lord, that you'd speak to us in the next few moments as we get started, Lord, on this path to better than normal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I love the phrase there where God says, the future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory. He's saying, I'm gonna break you free to take you to better than normal. But there are three decisive choices, three decisive changes that the people of God had to make to really break free from the gravity of normal. And there are three distinct choices that we have to make as we head into this process so that we can build something that is better than normal with our lives, so that we can live lives in a place of better than normal. The first choice is I have to decide normal people will no longer keep me from becoming who God has created me to be. Normal people will no longer stop me from living better than normal. You see, when the Israelites first returned to Jerusalem, they started out and it looked like they might break out of normal. And whenever you start to break free from normal, just expect normal people to try to stop you, to try to discourage you, to try to keep you from breaking out of normal. And that's what happens. Right after they laid the foundation of the temple in Ezra 4.4, it says, then the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. So after they finished the foundation, the enemies of the people of Judah started a discouragement campaign, and it was a doggedly determined discouragement campaign that just kept on and on and on. They would bribe officials. Uh, they would uh, start gossip of discouraging gossip. They would try to get government officials against them. They would do all these things to try to discourage them as they were afraid that the people were breaking out of normal. Now, who were these enemies that lived all around them? They were Samaritans. They were Ammonites, Horonites, Moabites, but really you could call them all normalites because that's what I call them, normalites. And there are normalites all around you. And whenever you start to break free from normal, there are a lot of normalites that say you can't do that. And whenever you start to live a life that's better than normal, there will be a lot of normalites that will try to discourage you and discouragement just means to take away courage. Encourage means to put courage in. I can't hang around discouraging people. I don't wanna hang around normalites because I don't have much courage to begin with. I need all the courage that I've got and a whole lot more from God so I can't afford to hang around people that are taking courage away from me. I hang around encouragers. But the normalites are always trying to take courage away from you, always trying to keep you in that mold of normal. And our normalite culture puts this pressure on us where we think we have to do what everyone else is doing, live the way everyone else is living, so we can be normal. But we've never stopped to ask, is normal working? 
I mean, really, folks, is normal working? How's normal been working out for you before all this hit? What's a normal schedule today? Being completely overwhelmed, always stressed out, never having time to do the most important things, that's normal. What's normal finances? Well, it's buying material things that you don't really need that can never really satisfy. It's always worrying about finances. It's always arguing over finances. That's normal. What's normal when it comes to dating relationships? It's sleeping with everyone that you date until you finally get married, and after a few years of marriage, you realize the person you're married to, you don't really know because you never took the time to really develop spiritual and emotional oneness and so you feel like you married the wrong person, so you get a divorce. That's why over half of marriages today end in divorce. That's normal. Normal isn't working. Normal didn't work before. We don't want to return to normal because normal isn't working. God wants us to move beyond normal. My friend Craig Rochelle says, if you want what normal people have, then do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, then do what few people do. God wants to give you something that's better than normal, but we have to break free from the normalites. God wants us to never go back to normal, and this is our opportunity. This is the greatest opportunity that we've ever had to leave normal behind forever and move to a place that's better than normal. Whenever God takes you back to worse than normal, he always does it so you'll never return to normal again so he can take you to the next level in your life. We all feel like things are worse than normal, but it's our greatest opportunity to never return to normal. But you've gotta decide, you gotta decide right here and right now, I'm never going back to normal. I'm never again gonna let normal people keep me from being who God has called me to be. And the next choice that we have to make is to decide that normal problems will no longer keep me from finishing what I've started. All the normal problems. Don't you know that that half-built temple that sat there was a daily reminder to them of all the half-finished business that they had with God? I mean, that temple was inescapable. If you have been to Jerusalem or seen any pictures, the temple was absolutely central, geographically in every part of life, to the Israelite people. And so every day, that was a reminder. Can you relate to that at all? Having some unfinished stuff around and kind of just never getting around to it? I know I can. And this really hit me because along with the other things that were lost over the past few months, I lost all my excuses. I mean, I really honestly would have told you a few months ago that, you know, yes, okay, it's true. I have a lot of half-finished projects around, a lot of good intentions, you know, things like, um, oh yeah, I'm gonna get around to connecting with that neighbor or connecting with this person or reaching out to that uh, long-lost relative or, or all those kinds of things. There's books I should read, there's things I should learn, but you know what? I just don't have time. I don't have time. If the world would just stop for a few days, then I'm sure I would really get on top of things. Well, I was given not a few days, but a few months. And guess what? The problem all along was not my problems. The problem was me. I was the problem. I was the one who wasn't finishing. I was the one who used problems as excuses. And now that's been laid bare to me because now I know, oh, actually, 
It turns out I'm the one who needs to change. And here again, we can learn so much from the Israelites because the temple had been half built for 15 years. And then God sends Haggai and Zechariah to them to give them a word from him. And just listen to what God has to say to them. This is in Haggai chapter one, verses five through seven. He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Wow. Whenever I run across something that God says twice in Scripture, and in this book of the Bible in Haggai, it says this over and over and over, and it is resounding to us, this question today. Stop. Give careful thought to your ways. The pause button has been hit. And before we jump right back into the old way, into the old normal, God is saying to each of us, stop, give careful thought to your ways, to the way you've been living, not just society as a whole, because it's easier to lump ourselves into that and think about what everybody else has been doing wrong. But God says to us personally, examine your heart and give careful thought to your ways. Don't rush back in. See, during those normal times, as Carrie said, things weren't really working out for us. You know, as, as we, we had things in our lives we need to change, and we don't want to jump right back into that. And the reason that God says, give careful thought to your ways, is because we were not created for normal. He didn't create us to be normal. He created us for more. He created us for himself. In Ezra chapter 5, verse 16, it says, from that day to the present, it has been under construction, but is not yet finished. And it's referring to the temple here, saying, hey, it's been under construction, but hey, I'm not done with it yet. God says, I am not finished with the building process yet. It is not yet finished. And let me tell you one thing that scripture says about God is that he is a finisher. What God starts, he finishes. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the first and the last. God doesn't start anything without finishing it. And his truth is like an arrow that shoots through everything else. His promises can be relied on. They are rock solid. And so whatever God has started, he is going to finish. And he never does anything halfway. Our God never does anything by halves. And so he says to the Israelites, I am not finished yet. Give careful thought to your ways. You see, in the Old Testament, the temple was the place that God's spirit resides. But then Jesus Christ came into this world and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, he rose again, and now his spirit is alive in us as believers. The temple is no longer a building. The temple is you and I. The temple is the heart of every believer. We are the temple. We're the ones that he wants to keep building on. We're the ones that he is not finished with yet. God's goal is really clear here. As we read through this account, God's goal is, I will finish building this temple. The temple has started and now I'm going to finish it. This work will be finished. And the enemy's goal is also really clear. The enemy shows up over and over and over in people, in problems. The enemy keeps showing up, and here's the enemy's goal, to stop the building process. 
That's it. Anything will do to stop the building. As long as it stops the building process, that's an effective strategy for the enemy. So his goal, whether it's using a person or discouragement or fear, problems, is to stop the building process. But God will finish no matter what. He will finish what he started. So don't settle for what's half finished in your life. Don't settle. God is going to finish in our hearts. And what happens is that after this word from uh, Ezra is given to the people in Ezra, when he talks about it and Haggai gives his promise, tells them, hey, think about it. Stop. Think. Pause. The people, the Israelites, turn their hearts back to God and they start again and they get back to building and the temple is finished in record time. And here's what this tells us. It's that unfinished work can be redeemed. Our God is a redeemer. And even if the work seems absolutely overwhelming, you know that looking at that temple, that massive temple, it had to seem like, how are we ever gonna finish this? But yet, even if the job seems unmanageable, impossible, God will redeem it. Maybe your marriage right now feels like this is a massive, impossible task to repair. God can redeem your marriage. Even if original favorable conditions no longer exist. King Cyrus had sent them back. They had all the authority, all the decrees in the world to go ahead. They had the resources to build and they still didn't finish it. They may have thought, oh, we missed that window altogether. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like that window for that dream that God put in my heart, that is closed. That's gone. If I I didn't take advantage of it when I should, now there's nothing to do about that. That dream is dead and buried. Not with God. God can redeem anything, even if resources are lacking. Over and over, resources came from the most unlikely sources for the Israelites to build this temple. God provided through unlikely ways. And even if you have a bad track record and you fear failing again, God can still redeem that. You know, the leaders of the Israelite people, uh, who at the time were Zerubbabel and Joshua, they had led them back, started the building process, and it had stalled under their leadership. And so don't you know it was scary to step back into that again because they faced the risk of failing not once but twice in front of all the people. And maybe you feel like as a parent, you know what, I feel like I failed, that I, there's no chance for me. I've already blown it. You know, I might as well give up. No, God can redeem that. God is redeeming us. And he wants to keep redeeming us because he is building something beautiful out of your life. Whatever you're facing right now, God can redeem it. And we just need to hold on to his word, his promises, and let him do the work. You know, in 2005, in Hurricane Katrina, some roses were found in a woman's backyard, blooming like crazy after having been under salt water for two weeks, 20 feet of salt water for two weeks. And yet, when that went away, they started blooming like crazy and were beautiful, just stunning roses. Why? Well, the life was in the roots. And so that's how we're to be. We're to be like that even if problems come, even if we're covered in salt water, even if there's a blazing sun, even if there isn't any water, regardless of conditions above ground, actually those aren't even having anything to do with us. That's God's business. All we know to do, the part that we can control is God says, build your roots, sink your roots deep. 
We have the choice. We get to choose to sink our roots deep, to reach out to God in his word, to lean on him, to trust him, to say, God, I don't, whatever's going on above ground, I can't control it. I don't understand it, but here's what I'll do. I'm just going to lean harder on you. I'm going to sink my roots into you. And he will do the growing. He will do the building in your life. There's no doubt about it. And then there's a third thing that's so important that normal priorities will no longer keep me from an eternal purpose. Those normal priorities that, um, where God is kind of pushed out, we have to decide here and now. That's not going to keep me from my eternal purpose because God wants to build something in my life that's going to last. God wants me to do something with my one and only life that will be here after I'm gone and will last for all eternity. Normal priorities are selfish. Our normal priorities are just building our own little kingdom, but God's priority and his purpose is to build his kingdom. Let's take a look at this next verse in Haggai. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. So God says that by building these tiny lives, hey, back in normal, you're so busy building your own tiny life, your own tiny world, you forgot to look at what I'm doing and get in on what I'm doing in this world. He said, you've tried to make me part of your life? No, I want you to get involved in what I'm doing. See, we've had it all wrong, we've had it all backwards. The overriding truth is that God's purposes will be accomplished. Take a look at this next verse. Give careful thought. Is there, any, is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. So here is what God is telling us to do this week. Give careful thought. Let's stop. Let's think. God, is there yet any seed left in the barn? What have you started in my life that is still sitting there and has never borne fruit? Something that you've given that I have never done with what you told me to do. And then name it. And this verse says, is it the olive tree, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and we need to examine our own lives and name what seed is it that we've left sitting. Is it a person that God told us to forgive and we just conveniently haven't gotten around to it? It feels uncomfortable. Is it a dream that he told you to go for, but we've left that seed sitting in the barn because it just seemed too hard, the problem was too massive? Is it giving that he told us to do? Giving of our time or our talent or our resources and we've kind of held on to what he clearly told us, we know, told us to give, we just haven't done it. Is it blessing that he told you to do? Something that, you know, he told you, I wanna use you, hey, bless this person, do something, help them, and it just hasn't happened. What has he told us that we have not yet taken hold of ourselves? What is it that we've left as seed in the barn? That's our starting place. Our starting place is right now, we have this great opportunity to stop, to take account of what God has put in our lives, the seed that we have, and then give it back to him and commit to not becoming normalites again. When you stop building your own little selfish kingdom and you get involved in what God is building, what God is doing that's gonna last for all eternity, when you get involved in the lives of others to make a difference, when you realize what's really gonna last when it's all said and done 
and you get involved in that and you dedicate your life to that, that's when you come alive. That's when you find true fulfillment. And that's what you've been doing, Woodland Church. Christ's time is Christ's time. And during this time, we've been stepping out in faith and you've been ministering more than ever before to make a difference. In this time of limited resources, somehow, some way, as we keep stepping out in faith, one day at a time, God continues to meet needs. And there's so many people that are hurting, so many people going through pain and difficulties and loss, but you've been stepping up. Building the kingdom is what it's all about. And when the world goes dark, the light of Christ and the light of his church shines brightest. What has God up to? He's building his forever family, the church, the eternal family of God. That's what he's doing. Over 4,000 people have come to know Christ just in the last couple of months. It's been amazing what God has done through Woodland Church. You have fed so many hungry people. You have met so many needs. You have done so much for the glory of God, and we're just getting started. Just watch. Way to go, Woodland Church, and we're just getting started with God's power and God's strength. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, I can simplify it all. Just put me first. Put me first in everything you do. Put me first, and I'll take care of the rest. In Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3, God said, as the people were rebuilding, God said to the people, the Lord of all says, return to me that I may return to you. See, what we need, folks, is not a return to normal. What we need desperately is return to God Almighty. That's what we need. That's what our nation needs. I am not praying that our nation returns to normal. I am praying that our nation returns to God because that's our only hope. I am praying that we return to God because he is the God of hope. He's the God of healing. He's the God that points us to heaven, and he has an eternal purpose. He wants you to be part of his family, and all you have to do is just turn, return, and he'll run to meet you. We have a God who runs to us. He picks us up in his arms, and he holds us, and he says, I'll never let you go. We have a God who is faithful even when we are faithless, but God says, don't return to normal. Just return to me. If you'll return to me, I'll take care of everything else. It may be difficult at times. It may be painful. It may be a slow process at times. You may not be able to see what I'm doing, but I'm telling you, I will take you to that place of better than normal. I will take you to that place where you'll never go back to normal again. That's what God's doing. He's taking us to worse than normal, so we'll never go back to normal again. But all I have to do is return to him. If you've never turned to Christ, do that right now. Maybe you're watching and worshiping online. Maybe you're at the Woodlands campus or Atascacita campus. I want us to bow our heads right now. And if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. And he'll come into your life and he'll never leave you. Just pray this prayer silently to God. Dear Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. I turn to you and I admit I need you to save me. I ask for your forgiveness of all my sins, all the times that I've run away from you, and I need you in my life. I need you to take me to the place that's better than normal in my life and then the perfect place one day, heaven. 
Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us who are Christ followers that you would help us return to you, to really return to you, Lord, in repentance, return to you, Lord, to depend upon you, to put you first in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for your blessing, for the wave of blessing that's coming into our lives, the wave of blessing that's on the way. Lord, it may look like it's a long way off, but I thank you, Lord, that it'll be here before we know it. And all we have to do is just return to you. Help us never return to normal, but to return to you so you can take us to places that we could never dream we could go. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now we're at the time of our giving. We give out of worship. And so if you're at home or you're here at one of our campuses, we give to the Lord. And so if you're here at one of the campuses, you can actually give in a moment when we dismiss in one of the generosity boxes. You can just put your gifts right there. You're giving right there. They're all around the auditorium in the four-year area. And you can do that at our campuses. Or you can give online, wc.org slash give. And if you haven't learned to give online yet, you ought to. You can set up regular giving to make it faithful, to make it a discipline so you're a disciple of Christ. Giving, wc.org slash give and set it up. And then you can give through your smartphone. You can text the word give WC. It's one word, give WC to 77977. Give WC to 77977. You can set it up right there on your phone. A lot of you have learned to give electronically now. And we praise God for that. Or you can... Just mail in your gift, One Fellowship Drive, The Woodlands, Texas, 77384, and you can mail that in. But we all can't give the same amount, but we can all give. We can all give, and we give. Why? To put God first, we give, because we're grateful for the opportunity to give, and we believe in faith that he'll keep his promise to give back more than we could ever give. And God wants to meet your needs, and God wants you to put him first, and then God wants you to use that gift to multiply it to meet the needs of others in a miraculous kind of way. And giving starts everything in motion. So as we give, let's just thank the Lord for all he's given us because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're gonna worship him. So would you stand, Woodlands Church? Stand, Woodlands Church campus. Stand, Woodlands Church at Tascacita campus. Stand at home, and let's give him praise, and let's give him glory. Lord, we pray you'd bless our giving. We give you our hearts and our lives and we surrender to you. We return to you and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to take us to that place that's better than normal in our lives. That you would just help us fulfill all that you've called us to do and be so that we can do something with our one and only lives that will last for all eternity. Lord, we wanna join you in what you're doing. Bless our giving, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is here right now, and he is the great restorer. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the Lion of Judah, the perfect lamb that was slain for us. He is Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Coronavirus doesn't wear the crown. Jesus wears the crown. Let's sing to him. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.